This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern and I'm joined as always by Greg Crumpton. Greg, thanks so much for being here, man. How are you doing? Tyler, I'm doing super, super good. Um, it's kind of hazy here. I think we're still going through that Saharan dust storm thing that was blocking our sunshine. It looks like it still is, but we're good, man. The year has just flown by. You it know, really just, has. You, you know, you think with all the COVID-related stuff that everyone's dealing with, that it, to me, I would have thought it would like drug the year out, but it's like, wow. We're rocking and rolling. It feels like days and weeks kind of go by a little slowly, but then you look up all of a sudden, you're like, oh, we're we're halfway through the year. How did that happen? Exactly. Exactly. Well, we have a uh, another fantastic guest on the show with us this week. His name is Ken Aish. He's the Chief Financial Officer at Piedmont Service Group. Ken, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing, man? No, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, Ken, it, it's certainly a pleasure to have you on board. You know, I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording but um, we've had some really good times. I, I've known you, I guess, for five years now, um, somewhere in that ballpark, maybe yep, five yep. and a half. And I uh, do want to say you get better looking with age, so things are going <laughs> your way, which, which well, is kind of scary. I think I, I think I appreciate that. I'm glad we're on a podcast and not a video because people, <laughs> they could call me out on that. But no, really, really do uh, appreciate you taking time and uh, as you know, our, our podcast go, we try to get people that, that are in our lives and, and, and our work lives and home lives and then how all that blends. And, you know, you and I talk about work, but we also talk about fishing because we typically wind up fishing together, um, a time or two a year. So, uh, seemed like a, a great guest to have on and, and, you know, I, I know enough about your business life to know that you've got a, a solid group that you take care of and they appreciate you, which leads to, you know, a, a solid relationship because it's hard it's hard to work with people that you don't feel good about for a long term anyway. So just uh, looking forward to hearing about you and how your mindset of your relationship building goes at work. Uh, and then how does that, like, you know, you and I, like we said, work together, and then we wind up going fishing. So I'm just curious how you work all that, because I think everybody has their own unique blend of how they do uh, relationships that are beyond, you know, eight to five. Um, and, of course, in our business, it's a, I say it's a lifestyle, not a, not a job. So with all that said, tell us what you do, how you do it, and how you became such a rock star at Piedmont. Well, I appreciate that, Greg. Uh, uh, I'm not sure I'm a rock star, but uh, those are kind words. Um, you know, I, I think I think if you have a great team with you uh, that you treat as a team, um, and some of these people almost become like family members because you spend so much time with them, um, that trust that you build up, um, learning their strengths, their weaknesses, and um, using their strengths to augment your own weaknesses, um, I think that's just that's just the key to um, you know being successful in in life and in in, in, in your business. Um, I've got a really good team. We've got fifteen in the accounting department here that I oversee. Um, but again, we're we are really a team, and it's a team effort that uh, keeps us successful. 
Well, it, it shows not only in, in the success of Piedmont and the finances you guys produce, but um, the environment. You know, when I'm when I'm around your people, I get that. Um, it's not like, oh, God, there's Ken. It's like, oh, my God, there's Ken. You know, you might get a <laughs> hug out of it. Um, <laughs> now, right now we're doing elbow bumps, Greg. That's I'm right. Not, yeah. I'm still hugging, but with a mask on. Oh, okay. So it's kind of okay. weird. Yeah, but. sure. <laughs> My uh, funny story, my wife and I were flying this past weekend and it was the first time either one of us had flown, you know, since the outbreak and we just had a need to get somewhere and back quickly. So we, we flew and it was the weirdest thing of seeing, like I, I did a, one of those reverse pictures where you hold the camera up and you take a picture of the whole plane and everybody's sitting there with a mask on. It's like, wow, this is like a, I don't know, some kind of weird space movie, but, um, Nonetheless, Ken, you you also just set a record, and I want to congratulate you on that because <laughs> before it had taken people five minutes of talking before the trust word came in, and you nailed it right out of the box. So congratulations, um, and and I say that because no kidding, every call or every podcast we've ever recorded um, in this series trust always comes in and it's so true because you know we talk about it all the time but until you get that trust level you can't build that deep relationship because everybody's walking around like you know trying to feel each other out and then but once you get to that point and you exchange that trust that's when it really kicks in the high gear for for me anyway and i'm assuming uh for many people but um Love hearing that because we, we uh, this podcast, Tyler, I, I've convinced Tyler that he is a huge part of this now, like, <laughs> like 99% of the podcast. And uh, but we, we always talk about that, how trust comes up. So that was cool to hear that right out of the gate because knowing you and, and being with you and I, I not at all surprised that that was on the, the frontal lobe. Yeah. Um I'll tell you a, a little story. This happened back when I was probably 18, 19 years old. I was a, a stock boy, bag boy at a Winn-Dixie store down in Miami, Florida. And I knew the general manager for several years. My sister worked for him at his store. My parents kind of knew him. You know, he was he was my general manager. He was my boss, sort of, you know, a mentor. Um, we went fishing, speaking of fishing, went fishing several times. And uh, he called me up to the office one morning and he said, Hey, Ken, uh, if you can't get your work done today, don't come back tomorrow. I kind of thought he was kidding that person. And I said, you're serious. He said, yeah, he could have sent home everyone that day. I would have got the whole store stocked, took care of all the customers, et cetera. Next morning, he calls me up to the office and I'm thinking, wow, I did everything. I'm going to get fired. Right. And he says, hey, Ken, I just wanted to see if you'd be interested in the um, dairy and frozen food manager at this other store. I looked at him. I said, you were going to fire me yesterday. <laughs> and he said, well, Ken, you were getting a little big for your britches. You were thinking you couldn't be replaced. Um, and I just had to bring you back down to earth. And I, mm -hmm. I have told that story I don't know how many times. And there's a guy I would have trusted with everything. And, and likewise... After he brought me back down to earth, you know, he obviously had a great trust feature in me because, you know, an 18 year old, 19 year old kid still trying to figure out what's what's ahead in life. You know, he's going to 
suggest to be a frozen and food and uh, dairy frozen food manager at another store. Um, you know, and that's that has just stuck with me, I think. And we all have those kind of stories that we can tell. But that one is one that has stuck, you know, for 20 years now. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to give well, my age away. <laughs> yeah, please uh, keep that private. But yeah, no, that that is uh, that that's really strong. And you know, our the business that you are that, that you and I are in the air conditioning business, we are around and employ a lot of young, um, fearless, rambunctious young men, and. Um, there, there's nothing more excellent and there's nothing more difficult than a 25-year-old young man that's skilled and knows he's skilled, but he hadn't matured to the point of understanding how to throttle and control his, his uh, outward, um, I, I guess, how he communicates to the world that he is good. Because until he gets about 30, you know, that I think that's when most of us men are able to start thinking logically. The first 30 years are learning how to do that. But if you can get a guy from, from 20 or 25 to 30 that understands he is skilled or gifted or excels in a certain area, and then you can get him over that hump to 30, then things can really take off. But I've had so many conversations with young men in particular, young ladies and, and women. Um, they tend to get that quicker. But if you can take that that moment just like you had with a young technician or a, a young guy who's going to be a, a dairy and, and a bakery manager, I, I think is what you said. But if you can just have that moment of, of retracting that, that ego and pulling them back down to earth and we all need it. And we've all been there and we've all experienced that. Um, maybe Tyler hasn't because he came out pretty damn perfect out of the womb, but uh, <laughs> the, the rest of us have all had those moments like you were describing Ken where, okay, I got this. I feel really good about it. I'm the, I'm the guy and the bomb and then bam, you know, you get, you get kind of knocked on your can and you realize like that moment you had like, oh, okay, uh, I better shut up and get going. So, right. It, it's uh, just it's, a, I don't know what the word is, but there's a word for it. Like slapping you upside the head is what my father would have said. But, well, I think um, it's, it, it gives you some humility and humbleness. Um, when you realize, words. okay, I might be very good at what I do, but, the, you know, there's always someone out there, somebody that can do it just as well or better even. Um, and if you lose sight of that, I think you start getting an arrogance that people, you know, as a leader, you just can't have. Yeah. And I, you know, what's so funny is when, when let, let's say me as a 26 year old who was good at air conditioning and new electrical or what have you there, you don't even know you're being arrogant, but everybody else does. And it's so weird. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you're just, you're just proud that you can do this and you're, you're coming in ready to, you know, repair, fix, install, whatever, feeling good. But it can come across that way. And, and that's the, I think the beauty uh, of having someone like you, you know, as a leader that, you know, you, you, because you had that 
fellow at Winn-Dixie who helped you come back to reality. You are able to do that for others, I know, in a, in a very nice way. You having that ability to help your people and lead your people in a way that you have had experience of, you, you, you know, nowadays you can't say, hey, if you don't get all your work done today, you're fired because that would be not PC and HR friendly. But you're able to to work with people in a way that can guide them towards, like, you know, you need to kind of put get your what do you we always say you're getting too big for your britches in the south. So of able to help guide people in a way that they don't come across as cocky or arrogant, but they come across as as uh, prepared, uh, organized, and uh, equipped. You know, for lack of a better word. So I, I can see your coaching style be like that, even though sometimes you want to say, hey, quit acting like a jerk, because I know your personality <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's it's kind of uh, well, it's, for me, it's fun to to, to see people evolve. Uh, and, and you know, if you do impact them, it's fun. You know, I get one of the things nice about LinkedIn, as an example, you can see some of the people that you've. Uh, managed over the years and, and what they're doing today. And it's, it's fun to see how, how some of these people have developed. Um, and I'd like to think I had a little bit of uh, influence on that. Maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Um, but it is fun. That's a great story to, to think about. I, I too have some people in my life that I hope that I've helped. And funny enough, I got a resume from a guy this morning that I've known his family for, for, God, 35 years. I used to work with this guy's dad at York International. And um, this guy sends me a text this morning and say, hey, um, I want to connect with you because I'm ready to make a career move. And you've all always been able to give me good advice. And I'm, I'm thinking, hell, when did I give you any advice? But <laughs> I remember one time we worked together. And he was about to make a move to another company. It, and it was a good move for him. He was going to better his skills. But we talked about how to do that properly, you know. And I had learned a lesson because I left the company the wrong way one time over a financial dispute, which nowadays wouldn't be a hill of beans money-wise, but it, it was a couple hundred bucks. And I, I showed my butt um, in, a, in, in a little bit of a way and I never felt good about it, but I did make amends with the fellow later, and he he's now deceased. But we we made up because I said, you know what, I was a young kid, I didn't handle that right, so I was trying to use that time to help this young guy uh, just think through his move, make sure you do it the right way, make sure you give him enough time, because you know in our business that patch on on your left chest it says Piedmont Service Group or whatever it says. But the other one is embroidered, you know, that's your name. It says Ken or it says Greg. That doesn't go away. And you just got to make sure that you're thinking well enough ahead. And sometimes we need a little mentoring and coaching of how to make sure we do that next step appropriately because those relationships, uh, they're always going to be there, you know. And Exactly. It, you know, and you just said, you know, you don't even really remember, you know, how you influenced them or, or you know really having a conversation with them, you know, the saying is actions speak louder than words. So you don't know what actions you may have had or, or did around him that influenced him. Um, you know, yeah. and that's something also that, you know, 
can impact people's just your actions. It isn't even necessarily what you say to them. Now, good point. And, you know, so many times I've been around kids more lately than I have because I've got a, a, a nephew and my sister reminded me, no, that's not your nephew. That's your grand nephew. And I'm like, oh, crap, <laughs> you're right. So I've been, I've, I've been around that young man. He's one year old now. And then uh, another relative, she's four. And it's so weird because these kids, I never knew this because I, I, I never had kids. I never raised them. But they don't miss crap, man. They they see everything you do. And then they either mimic it or they steer clear of it. And, um, you know, we, we talk about it as adults, like do as I do as I do, not do or do as I say. But it, it's so weird how those actions, like you just said, Ken, without even knowing it, that you're influencing people or, you know, that that becomes part of your your character and your DNA is, is what you see. And then whether you emulate that or not. So funny thing yeah. about that story is now, so 30 years removed, the, the company I work for, ServiceLogic, we now own the company that I left inappropriately and the guy who was working there is now the president of that company. And it's like, we have a good rapport. We, we're friends, but we both remember when I left. And it's just so weird how that stays there forever. I mean, that that talk, is relational. Talk about full circle. I know. I was like employee number five. And now <laughs> there's, God, 500 or some crazy number. But, <laughs> you know, it. it it's just it goes to show how small the world is um and, and it just amazes me of how those relationships you build always seem to, to come full circle you know in one way or the other whether it's through work or you go to church with them and you haven't seen them in 20 years but you remember in high school they smoke more weed than cheech and chong it's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> oh cheech and chong <laughs> Got to got to have that reference thrown in there. So, so, so can, Tyler, can at, at the, yeah. yeah, go ahead, man. So, Ken, at the beginning, you talked a lot about you know having a strong team and uh, relying on the people around you and just the, the importance the importance of that uh, that team type atmosphere. You know, and I, I've heard the the quote and and people say all the time that you know if you're the if you're the smartest person in the room, you know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you, or you know, if you're the best at a certain thing on a team, you know, find people who are better than you and, and that kind of thing. And just thinking through the the importance of having people around you that uh, constantly push you to improve and what that looks like um, in a business setting and in, in the places where you work, you know, how do you constantly seek to surround yourself with people that are going to push you to be better? Um, well, I try to keep people, uh, at least somebody around that could replace me. Um, and, and whether they end up replacing me, cause I am getting closer and closer to that time where I may retire or they move on to another company. Either way, that's a win to me. Um, but that helps push you. If you can, if you can honestly have somebody in your organization that could take your place, uh, that'll keep you honest. Um, but you know, I, I think it's the, the key is know your, know your people's strengths, know your own weaknesses and, and use them to help where you are weak. Um, that to me is the, is, is such a critical thing. Um, you guys mentioned before we got started, Gwen, um, she's my business system person. 
I don't know all the ins and outs of our business system, but she does. Um, you know, I've got a controller, Jeff Jernigan. He handles a lot of the banking information and, and just some of the, you know, reconciliations that accountants have to do. Not my forte. Um, I, I want to be more involved in operations and helping, helping the operations group. And, and it's just the way that's just my DNA. Um, so I, I think it, that's a key part of having a great team is just, is just using their strengths and let them do what they do. Um, and don't, I am not a micromanager, never have been and never will be. And I think that part of what you said kind of goes back to that idea of humility. It takes humility to acknowledge the areas where you aren't as strong and the, the places where you aren't as gifted to then, you know, know, okay, this isn't what I'm good at, but these people are good at it at, and empowering them to do those things and not feeling like you have to do it all yourself. Right. And that takes trust again. It takes humility and it's all kind of part of that relationship building. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, Jeff's been here for 12 years. Gwen's been here for 20 years. Um, you know, they're here that long for a reason. And it's about the company. It's about the people we work with. Um, and just that strength of all those relationships. We have a, long, a lot of long-term employees at this company. That's one of the things that attracted me to it 12 years ago. That's so true with Piedmont, especially our, our Piedmont in general. Lot, I mean, the president of your company has been there forever um, and all the way through the system. You know, you see longevity. And I, I just I think about, you know, I, I always go back to the age versus maturity versus transfer of knowledge. And I, I think that what, you know, you, you said a while ago, Ken, that you weren't getting that far from thinking about retiring uh, and as you work towards that ultimate day of retirement and knowing that that last day that you're at the company is the last day that you're needed at the company because of transferring of knowledge that happens from the day you went there as you're learning and building up your mental library until you start purging all that to other people. And we miss that a lot of times at companies because um, and I was, I was talking to my cousin this weekend and about the, the lack or the unwillingness of people to transfer their knowledge because they feel like it is empowering them to be the knowledge keeper and everybody has to come to them when in fact, uh, you know, that may have been, uh, one way of looking at it, at, say world war two era, but it's really empowering when you give that away. And as you train and coach and develop and mentor and all those adjectives that go into being a leader, um, you have to continuously be purging your brain and giving that to somebody else. And then they process it to continue that task on so that, again, your last day there. You're like, okay, I feel complete because this company is not going to skip a beat. And I, I think we, but it's so important to know when you're able to do that because you as the leader and the giver of knowledge have to be able to give it to somebody who's ready on their end to receive it and act on it. So there's a really fine balance there of the maturity versus the age versus the the, the tenure of the company and all those little dynamics that go into that knowledge exchange. And 
it also runs parallel with your relationship building of that same person because they're, you know, they've got to feel like, oh, Ken really does trust me. He's, he's given me the keys to the kingdom. And that's just a cool thing for me to think about of all those moving parts and how you sync them up to ensure the continuity of the company and or your department and or whatever you're you're transferring that knowledge from. Yeah, one of the things that, you know, I kind of always keep in, in my mind is, you know, we have 300 plus employees. Um, you know, I, I joined a CFO peer group and, and one of the questions they asked me when they were sort of saying whether I should be in it or not um, was, you know, what what's one thing at your work that, you know, you you take pride in? And working on our benefit package every year is one of the things I take a lot of pride in. We have a very good benefit package. You know, if you stop and think about it, it impacts, you know, 300 plus employees. Well, same thing as we talk about, you know, transitioning and stuff. You know, you want to leave um, the company in good hands because it can impact so many people and families. You know, and that's 300 employees. You know, now you add spouses, et cetera. You know, you're talking six, 700 people. Um, that you could potentially impact. And and that's not something to take lightly, in my opinion. No, it's so true. And and you, you just brought up a, a thing that I had blocked out mentally for a little while because when I owned Airtight before ServiceLogic bought it, we were super proud of our package because until uh, the end, we paid full family medical every year. Every employee paid nothing out of pocket for themselves nor their family. And that was something that we, we were a relatively small company. There was, you know, I think 38 employees. But we used that as a tool of retention because we wanted people to know we took care of, of, of them once they were on board. But it also made us work really hard on the front end to make sure we were getting the right kinds of people on board that would want to stay and would appreciate it. And, um, you know, I used to think about this. And so uh, a married couple and most most of our uh, employees were married and they've got, you know, the average 2.3 kids. You know, we were impacting a lot of lives for our little company. But if you add the numbers into Piedmont and then when I think about service logic, you know, we're 3,300 employees. Um, so what we do benefits wise is so hugely important as you said because now we're you know we're like your company you guys are affecting a thousand heads a thousand lives um, yep. and it's just so important uh to work on but that, that that's cool you said that because and i say i blocked it out because at the end of my tenure i was like smoked from because i per, i mean we weren't a big company so i did a lot of that legwork on the package and you know like my november was just renewal you know like what how how can we do this and how can we move this and what kind of copay can we shift it so by thanksgiving you know we, we had a december one uh date and by thanksgiving i was like smoked you know yep. <laughs> from, yes from working on that yeah. But you there's a lot it. to it with a lot to it. And with, you know, the laws changing and, and everything else. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work going into that uh, renewal process. Well, but to your point, it's hugely important to get that right and to give all you can afford to give to the right people 
for the right reasons. So cool right. stuff. Love hearing well, that. And, you know, Greg, in your position, safety, I mean, uh, how important is safety and, and what you can impact there um, by reminding people to work safely? Uh, and, and I mean, that that to me is such a critical, critical area to be uh, a part of. Yeah, that that is weird, you know, because I never was a safety guy. I was a producer and safety to me was just something that we had to do. Um, but as I've evolved and working with some really high performance people within service logic that are safety people like your, your fellow worker, Brian. Oh, Brian's I mean, great. Yeah. He, he, he's awesome. But what he is to me is like the most delicate reminder that you've got 2.3 kids and a wife to get home to, to take care of. Um, it, and and he does that so eloquently without hitting people over the head. And and same for our other professionals. We've got some really good full time people who do that around the country. And but it's also fun watching the different uh, delivery techniques because what Brian does in Raleigh uh, would not work very well in Chicago or vice versa. Uh, exactly just because of the culture. So and and that goes into building that rapport. You know, people know that Brian is there uh, to take care of them and help them take care of themselves would be a better way of saying that. But they trust him to do that. And um, it's just a, another layer of the onion, man. I love that. Absolutely. Another area of relationships. Yeah. And, you know, I guess a lot of people, they, they may listen to this podcast and go, what what the hell is this Dr. Phil, you know, trying to figure <laughs> out what... what what, what Crupton's talking about, but it really comes back to, you know, I'm 40 years into this now, uh, into this industry, 39 or so. And when I think back on those relationships and I think back on, you know, a fellow named Randy Kaiser, who told me basically that same talk you had, you know, if you don't get your work today, done today, don't come back. In, a, in another setting, in another way, but he was giving me the same message. You, you never forget those things. And um, that's what's fun, though, is, you know, is part of the evolution of growing up and, and growing up and maturing and getting older are all three different things. And um, I just love the balance of that, trying to figure that out. All right, Tyler, you, you've heard... Uh, I'll say one old man and one not so old man ramble <laughs> about. I'll let you pick who's who. Um, but what? How does it? And, and Ken Tyler is like the, he's like the uh, Gail King of Oprah. You know, he's the the voice of synthesization. Is that a word? Um, so he, he kind of puts what we talk about, and then I love to hear it because he's younger than we are. And it's so important that that we're communicating in a way that we think it makes sense. But then somebody Tyler's age, I want them to be able to go, yeah, I get that. So, Tyler, how, how does that how is that splashing on you this morning? No, what you guys have said makes uh, a lot of sense. And I, I, I can say that uh, that I have experienced that that moment where you get knocked back down on your butt a little bit and you think that, uh, you know, things are uh, 
you know, you're, you're the best at something or you're flying high and that, and that kind of thing. And you get brought back down with that humility that really resonates. And, um, you know, I, I haven't stopped thinking about Ken talking about, you know, the team and, you know, if, uh, if you've listened to these podcasts, you know, I tend to view things through a, a sports mindset and, uh, really value the, um, value the, the, principles of teamwork you know and building a strong team and having that type of group around and and just um kind of valuing what what teamwork kind of brings to the table and and viewing people as as teammates and working together for collective goals and so that to me really really resonates but again that doesn't happen without the humility that we've mentioned the trust factor that that shows up in every podcast and those those things to me really stand out about our conversation today is just um, those types of elements and the importance that um, that there is uh, in, in those things when it comes to working as a team, you know, and it, it does remind me of, you know, playing team sports as a kid and, and, and why it's important to, to work together as a team. And, you know, I had a coach that would always say you're only as strong as your weakest link. And so, uh, you know, the, the ball tends to find the person that doesn't want it. And so having a strong team is, is really important. And so uh, those things really, really resonate. And the, and the way that Ken has gone about building a team and strength it and relying on people who are, you know, relying on people to do the things that they are good at all speaks, uh, you know, volumes to me just as a younger person who is finding his way in the in the corporate world and, and that sort of thing. And somebody who I am, I admittedly am not good at asking for help. And so that to me uh, speaks, speaks volumes, just uh, understanding the things that I am not good at and, you know, finding ways to empower others to, to utilize their strengths to benefit the team as a whole. I think those are, those are powerful, uh, powerful words. So Tyler, it strikes me in a good way, by the way, but it, it I'm curious if that, the inability or unwillingness to ask for help and how that comes into competitiveness. And then how does that compare to your maturity as a, as a man and as a, a professional in your work career? It's just a cool little, you know, it's like the world is spinning on its axis and rotating. So you've got this continual change. How have you seen yourself over the last few years and Ken, uh, Tyler recently got a nice promotion and he's running the group there at market scale. Um, so Tyler, you know, taking it back three years from, from now and then looking at where you are today, as you've matured years wise, how, how has that kind of morphed for you personally? Yeah, I think I've always had that, um, maybe that, that chip on the shoulder that comes from, uh, an insecurity of sorts. You know, I, I was always the the smallest kid on every team I was, so I thought I always had to scrap and fight and not give an inch. Um, and so I've kind of taken that into my my professional work, where you know I am really competitive, and that that thought of showing weakness or showing, hey, this is something I'm not good at, is a bad thing. Um, when really uh, I've learned in recent years that um, it's it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to say, Hey, I'm not good at these things. I need help. So, you know, at market scale, we, you know, I'm on the, the publication side and I'm the manager of the, all the client 
podcast content, but with that comes a lot of operations and a lot of things that are systematically put into place that I'm really not good at thinking through, oh, we need to go step by step by step by step these things. But we have a couple of guys who have an engineering background that work here that work on the ops side that once I partnered with them and really got a sense of here's how you build a system that works for everybody that utilizes everybody's strengths, I realized how much better we could be as a team. And so that was a huge evolution for me. And I, there are still times where I try to take on too much, where I just say yes to everything and end up overwhelmed. And um, it, so it's still a, a constant process just to remind myself that there are other people who are talented, that are good, that don't mind, you know, uh, utilizing their strengths to the benefit of the team. Um, and, and so that's been a constant learning process for me, but it's just, uh, you know, it's been in the last couple of years that I've really seen the benefit of allowing people to utilize their strengths for the, for the good of everybody. And, you know, and to a certain extent, if, if you aren't asking for help in areas where you know that you need help, you're not allowing those people to do the things that they're good at. So you're almost depriving them of the ability to be a part of something that is special, that is important, that is good. And so th- that's been a thing that I've, I've had to learn that it's not, um, it's not an inconvenience. It's not a burden for them. It's enabling them. It's empowering them. And so that, that to me has maybe been one of the biggest areas of evolution for me over the last several years. Well said. It, and you know, the that's other, very well said. Yeah. The caveat to that is you're not being fair to your company if you're, if you're not asking for help because those guys or ladies were hired for their skills, just like you were. Right, right. And, you know, that. so putting everybody together and then building a, harmoni- a hum- harmonious relationship around those skills with each other, you know, it's like those guys that you're talking about, the operations-minded people, you know, I, I would suspect now after working together a bit, if they say Tyler's got it, then Tyler's got it. If you say, hey, those guys have got it, then they've got it. You know, it's that mutual trust of not having to worry. And I think, um, you know, I, I suffer a lot of the same uh, demons you do as far as being not good at asking for help. Because I like to do, I'm, I'm an active person, so I like to do a lot. I may suck at some of it, but I still like to do a lot. But, you know, having that, that, that mental checkoff. If I like right now, if if I've got something at work, and I and I ask Ken's for Ken's help on it, I don't have to follow up with that because I know that hey, that's Ken. He I'm, check. I'm just waiting on him. You know, at this point, it's not like I have to worry about crap. Is he going to do that or is he going to blow it off? And, and you have that trust with Ken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you know, working for a company the size of ours, it's so important that you have the ability to have those relationships and God knows you can't have them with 3,500 people, but there's always going to be key people in any organization that are kind of on your, your go-to list, like Brian, you know, the safety professional that, that works at Piedmont. If, if I need something and I'm out of town or on the road or on an airplane or whatever, and I know Brian has access to a lot of the same stuff I do, there's never a doubt that I can call Brian and say, hey, man, can you do this for me and flip this guy or this girl that piece of info? And I don't have to worry because I know he's going to do it and I do it for him. And you just get into that rhythm with the, with certain people uh, that just feels good. And um, I, I think that, you know, the people that, that I know that work with Ken, and I don't know all 15 of them, but I know some of them very well, um, you see that, you know, and what he's built there is just, 
it just kind of it's a microcosm of, of Piedmont within his team. R- very cool to watch. Yeah, and sometimes, a lot of times, these relationships, sometimes it's not even asking them to do something for you. It's, hey, can I run this by you and see if I'm overreacting or I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this the right way, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, never Greg's happened. laughing because yeah. I did that not too long ago with him. <laughs> well, that's what it's for, you know. That's why you have a network. And to your point, um, and, and we both came to the same conclusion it was just something. And, um, but that's, that's that trust, you know, you knew that you were, you could ask me that openly. And I was going to tell you, you were, you know, being a, a sensitive lady about it or no, you were looking at it in a good way. Um, but I, I think that, um, I, I just love that. I mean, that's what we're here for, you know? Absolutely. Well, I know that we're encroaching, Tyler, upon your your brunch hour, so to speak, because you're <laughs> not in our time zone. Uh, and you know us millennials love brunch. Brunch, man, that's a weekend thing. Oh me. yeah, yeah. But it it's, can really always insightful to get to talk to you. We've never talked like this with a microphone, but uh, we've all we've had some good conversations around stuff like this. But it's just absolutely. Good to, Always good to to hear your perspective and and really joy a joy to watch what you are continuing to build up there with your team and uh, Tyler he uh, Ken's about two and a half hours away north of us so I see him fairly often because I go up there and he's mm-hmm. down here but um, and don't forget I have to remind people about the the brewery you want to oh. talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, my son actually owns a brewery, uh, him and my nephew, out in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Uh, we've been doing it for about three years. Um, we're actually expanding right now currently to put a tap room in Zebulon, North Carolina. So if you're ever up this way, let me know. Be glad to treat you to a beer. Oh, man. What's the name of it? Let's, oh, let's it's, you know, like, well, it is BDDB, like boy, boy, dog, dog, although that's not what it stands for. It's BDD Bruin. Um, although we are, and I, I can't give you too many details on this, but we're looking at rebranding to something else that might stick in the minds of people a little bit better than that. Nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting. It's, it's great to see, you know, my son and my nephew, um, doing this. Um, you know, I get to be a part of it, which is fun too. Uh, keeps me young. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate you, uh, mentioning that Greg. Well, you know, like 12 million people listen to this podcast. So I want to <laughs> kind of spread the word, <laughs> but no, I, I have met your son and, and he, uh, the, the nut, nut did not fall far from the tree. So congrats <laughs> on that. So literally <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. So, all right, Tyler, two old guys talking smack. Wrapping it up. How can you? I mean, how can you tie a bow on this puppy? It's going to be tough. But wrapping it up, talking about a brewery is uh, is speaking my language. So, uh, so that feels that feels like a great spot to uh, to end things on. So, Ken H, thank you so much for joining us today here on Straight Out of Compton and uh, and sharing your insights with us. Well, thank you for having me. And Greg, yeah, no, I, we, we enjoyed it immensely. Just a, a phenomenal conversation and uh, a lot of wisdom, and we appreciate you you, you coming on with us. Um, and, uh, and Greg, we did it another episode. Wow. And, and this, you know, 
I, I know we ran a little bit longer on this one, but you know, just when, when you start thinking about these relationships and then your brain starts going down the rabbit holes of how these things have affected your career and your life and your family. And it's just so much fun to, to relive, you know, what made us what we are today. And uh, the importance, you know, I take away uh, from this is a reminder. Make sure that I'm giving my knowledge away on a, on a consistent basis. Um, and I really work at doing it. But these kind of reminders are just so germane to, to in, uh, empowering, you know, who, who's got to fill the shoes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as Greg and I enjoyed bringing it to you. And of course, we'll be back soon with more episodes of Straight Outta Crumpton, uh, more exciting uh, and, and fun conversations to come. But until then, for Greg Crumpton, Ken Aish, I've been Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you soon.